the Video Insiders. We're a video API provider. We're a video infrastructure uh, company. And, um, you know, the pandemic, I think for us, really drove a lot of growth and all in areas where there were trends already kind of occurring um, or were going to incur, uh, and it just cemented those trends. So whether it was the cord cutting that's happening on the entertainment and media side where you have people that were now they're home all day and they need more content to consume, um, and they're going to try different services out and they, you know, are wiring their entire house with smart TVs, um, that accelerated for sure. Um, more time in the day, um, on your mobile phones, um, zoom and the whole video, uh, conferencing, uh, takeover of our lives. I think just video is just kind of much more important part of what we do every day. And so, um, you know, for us, we saw, you know, customers that were already, you know, taking advantage of these trends. So they were building out video services, they were engaging their customers, they were engaging their audience on these different devices, TVs and phones and social media channels. They just saw tremendous growth. And the other curious thing is for our customer base, those who like hadn't yet made that leap, you know, once pandemic hit, it was harder for them to then go execute because their teams are all over the place. They couldn't get in a room and focus on what their strategy was. And it took them months to kind of get up to speed. So, you know, the, the folks that had that advantage of having made those investments already, we really saw, you know, the, some clear winners come out of our customer base versus who they were competing with. The Video Insiders is the show that makes sense of all that is happening in the world of online video. And here are your hosts, Mark Donegan and Dror Gill. So we are talking today with Ed Lazinski, who is CEO of Zype. And this is going to be just an amazing conversation. You've already gotten a little bit of a glimpse. Um, the last 15, 16 months have been really a, a remarkable time uh, to be in video as uh, all of our listeners and our audience knows. Uh, so uh, really excited to have you and thanks for joining, Ed. You're welcome. It's really great to be here, Mark and Jor. Uh, we're looking forward to this. Yeah, absolutely. We've been trying to set this up for uh, some time now. Yeah, it's good to be busy though, right? So. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So I'm happy that everybody is here uh, now together and, and we can talk. So uh, maybe we'll start from the beginning. When you started the company, what was your original mission? What problem were you trying to solve? Yeah, so my co-founder and I started Zype really with the same mission we have today. You probably hear that from founders sometimes, but we've kind of stayed on mission, which has, I think, been great, but really to connect the world streaming video and viewers. We worked together in digital media, ad agencies back in the first dot-com boom, um, at McCann Erickson. We worked with early digi digital video. We built video portals for media companies, and we got to see firsthand kind of how hard it is and how ripe for a better sort of service in form of an API and, and dashboards to make building video products easier. Well, before we started the company, like we saw the opportunity. We were both working on a uh, project for a, a Japanese media conglomerate who had like Saturday morning TV slate when, when they were still broadcasting that on like Channel 11 in New York or whatever your local kind of affiliate would be wherever you are. So they had like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Pokemon and, you know, G.I. Joe and stuff like that. And I grew up with that stuff, so it resonated with me. And they wanted to go digital, 
we built out this stack for them, and this is pre kind of pre-cloud computing. So it was like servers in a data center and Akamai, they were around. So content delivery at like a dollar a gig or something. Um, content management services from one company, player building from another company. You know, so all this like complex kind of fragmented ecosystem to actually deliver like a web-based digital video product. So Chris, my co-founder and I really said like, this is a low NPS business. This is this really sucks building this stuff. Um, it would be great to have an API for this and to connect the, these viewers and this video in a better way. But it wasn't the right time. I mean, this was, you know, in the 2006, 2007, 2008 period, cloud computing still wasn't really available. Bandwidth was expensive. And frankly, the device footprint for video wasn't there. Like our phones didn't yet play HD content seamlessly. We didn't have all these smart TVs yet. Even our game players, like the Xboxes, were just starting to get into like streaming. Um, so we, we kind of felt like th this was something that we might come back to. And years later, we did. So in um, 2014, we uh, decided that this is an opportunity that we need to act on now. Like we started seeing the cord cutting trend happen. We were connected um, to some customers and former customers and partners that were starting to build more in video. And um, we thought it was an opportunity, but what really did it for me was um, the Rangers concept. Now I'll get, I'll tell you what I'm talking about here in a second. So I'm a New York Rangers fan. You know, my, my son who's 15 now at the time was maybe six or seven or eight. He was watching the game at my parents' house and uh, with me. And, um, you know, any little kid, he's going to get distracted. And I, we had an iPad then, one of the original iPads. I looked down at my feet. My little boy is watching Power Rangers on the iPad. And for me, this moment was really important. I, I have a picture of it, actually, of him sitting there with his little jersey on and the iPad. Because I just instantly had this feeling of, like, this generation, this future, they're never going to have a cable subscription. They're never going to watch what their parents watch. Now there's choice, and they're never going to go back to what we did growing up. And I, for me, this was, like, the catalyst. And now I had some great um, partners. I had fortunately had um, sold a company in the past and had some capital available to me so I can actually put this into motion. But there was a real visceral moment for me. And when I went back, I told Chris, my co-founder, about this moment. And he was experiencing the, some of the same things in his family. And we were like, let's go do this. Let's build Zype. Let's build an API for video. Let's connect a world streaming video and viewers. And that's that's kind of what got us going. And, you know, we kind of haven't slept since that moment. So that's such an awesome story. You know, I, I love it. I, the, the best companies come out of those insights, which if you think about it, if you would have blinked, you could have missed it. It was just that simple. You're there, you're, you know, thinking about the game, you're with your family, et cetera. But just in that little, in that instant, in that moment, and then everything clicks and, and it just makes sense, you know, to go start a company and to solve this problem. Uh, so that that's awesome. You know, thanks for thanks for sharing that. You talk about APIs. And one of the things that, you know, struck me as I looked at your solutions is that there's a lot of people out there building platforms and, you know, they have their APIs sometimes even published right on their homepage, you know. Um, but it seems like you have really gone even to the next level of building the tools, I might even say the interface that makes these APIs usable by everyday people and not just developers. So, you know, have I perceived that correctly? And how does that translate to the kinds of customers that you're attracting and, you know, who you're targeting? 
Yeah, no, I think you're you're right in that you know as we start, as we built this product and we started you know building interfaces into the smart TV uh, ecosystem, so Roku's and Apple TVs and Amazon Fire TVs and Samsung TVs and like 30 other manufacturers and then all the different mobile stores and then all the different social platforms. And we saw a big opportunity to smooth that out, right? To make that experience better for developers. So our customers and a lot of times are our developers, but also the business teams, including the video operations teams, the product teams, um, the marketing teams that want outcomes from that. So, you know, you don't need to have a software developer to use our product to get video, let's say, um, programmed uh, into a linear stream and then build a marketing channel on YouTube. Like, you don't have to be a, an expert in YouTube or HLS streaming or RTMP streaming or linear programming or all the other 15 acronyms I could throw at you, but I won't because I'm, I'm a nice guy. But yes, like normalizing that, making it easier, more accessible, like flattening the stack. You know, we, we talk about the video supply chain. So we've tried to make it really easy to create purpose-driven, outcome-driven APIs and dashboards. So get my, get my video to A to B. We're going to make that really easy. Build a whole streaming service. We're going to make that as easy as possible so you can focus on your business. And that's been sort of our principles for, for a long time. So what does the customer uh, bring? I guess the content on, on one hand and, and the brand, but are they also developing their own app or their brand, some player that you provide to them? Yeah, it's a great question. So they are absolutely bringing the content, um, whether that's you know, on-demand, kind of off-the-shelf, kind of pre-produced content they have. It could be live streams. It could be content that they've licensed from other folks. Um, you know, they bring the content. They bring the the marketing and all that kind of stuff, assuming it's a sort of marketing-driven case around driving subscription revenue or engagement to sell more toys or sell more bicycles. We try to give them as much as we can in the middle. And what I mean by that is, you know, we give them the encoding, the storage, the content management, the content delivery, the uh, playout services, and the connectivity to through our CRM to, like, transact on all this. We give our customers the ability to take that and then build, let's say, an Apple TV app from there and then put that into market. So if you want to just get on Apple TV tomorrow and you have content, you can get on Zype, you can load up your content, you can curate it, and you can use our templates. You can publish it. It comes bundled with a player. It comes bundled with encoding. You kind of don't need to think about it. That said, as we've kind of scaled up our business and have focused on a lot of companies that are what I call like mission critical streamers. So they, they've, they've built like meaningful business around video streaming. They don't want to be confined by templates or just the simple push buttons like in a dashboard. So we've also enabled them to customize it. They can have their own developers go in there and add their own innovation to it. They can choose to use parts of our stack in one area, but maybe use a different provider in another area, um, let's say for payment processing or something like that. So We've tried to be like turnkey yet modular because you know drawer and video space, when you're just getting going, time to market really matters. You want to get there, you want to be on the platform, you want to test, you want to get data. Once you've developed something that has traction, you want to then be able to like find your points of innovation and integrate. And you don't want to be relying on Zipe or anyone else that dictate, you know, that you can't you know, move this experience from this part of the app to another or change something from here to there. So 
we, we try to give you like enough to get started and going and testing and then really focus on your ability to scale that. And, and we to, to prove that we have customers that have started with us with, um, you know, an average of 10,000 um, video requests uh, through our API per month that are now doing a billion or more. So, you know, th that what we try to focus on is that service on the API layer that you can use our kit, you can get to market, and then you can scale and you don't need to replatform or worry about, um, you know, is this going to, is this going to help me make it through the next step of my growth? Yeah. And you've built the tools, you know, like uh, your, your video meta uh, CMS is, is not something, uh, some of the other platforms that I've seen out there, you know, yeah, everybody has some version of that, but it looks like this is really quite a complete offer here. Did you start with this or, you know, did you know that you needed to have this or did, you know, your customers pull you into it because they were requesting, you know, easier usability and, and, uh, more, uh, control, et cetera. Yeah. So actually the CMS was the first area we built around. This is where we were most dissatisfied with what was available in market when we were building video services ourselves, sort of, this is where we felt like there was a least amount of, um, elegant user experience, the, the, the tools that were available at the time. And by the way, are still generally available. Like the competitors in the space are kind of the same companies that were there seven years ago, which is good for us. I think, um, you know, just were hard to use, weren't very developer friendly, weren't open at all. I mean, both to connect to other platforms or connect to your own internal data, but also, um, to add your own data, you know, we, 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 from day one, we, we kind of come with a very flexible open database you can use. So we have customers that are defining like their trading card data that they, you know, link into their web pages to provide, uh, you know, deeper experiences around the video, um, for like trading card games and things like that. So like, you know, just giving more openness and more flexibility was, was day one thing for us. The rest of it kind of built around that. So the, the CMS was the core. The first version of it was just an API. There's a lot of, I think, founders out there that are building API services, and it, it can be done. Like, you can start with an API, and you can build the dashboards and all that kind of stuff later. Um, you, you're, you're likely going to have to start building it pretty quickly. Like, for us, we realized that the business people, like, don't want to use an API. You know, they want to use a, a dashboard. And so we, we quickly um, did that. And then from there we kind of went down that journey through the video supply chain. Like what did our customers most care about and what couldn't they get from elsewhere at the same level of like elegance and excellence? So, you know, we first started getting into things like encoding stack, the live and on-demand encoding stack. We started getting into the um, content delivery and, and the analytics. And those were like the next three things that we realized that, you know what, we're going to bundle this. We're not we're going to allow you to use whatever you want as a customer. You certainly don't need to use this for encoding or analytics or content delivery. But if we give it to you and we provide a great experience around it, you'll probably be happier getting that from one vendor rather than four. So we, our philosophy has been like, you know, really customer centric, really, you know, we're not really that focused on what other companies are doing and more focused on like what our customers care about. And those were the early things they really cared about. Right. So that's really an interesting concept. On one hand, providing a full solution with, with all the components, if that's what the customer uh, wants, even uh, if not all the components are, are your own. But on the other hand, enabling the customer to replace many of these components uh, with their own components or their own selection from, from a third party and, uh, and giving this uh, flexibility. So if you want to start fast, you can, you can start very fast with a complete solution. But then if you want to go into one of the components and kind of optimize it 
for price, for performance, or whatever reason, you can go and, and replace that uh, later and, and, and the system continues to function, right? Exactly. You nailed it. I think for us, the one thing we care about a lot is indexing the video and the metadata around the video. You know, that's where we provide value because we're essentially connecting video data, both streaming material and metadata to, you know, what you're trying to produce, whether it's a video service, whether you're, we have customers that just use us to manage their feeds that go to their partners. We have customers that are building ad-based services, et cetera. But the core of it, where we focus on value is the, the content management of the metadata of the video and the material. M- metadata is actually more important than the material. So we, we, we allow customers, hey, you want to bring in your own encoding or storage? That's great. As long as we know how to basically help you get value from that so we can you know, tell your downstream providers where that video is kept so they can go stream it on your behalf and things like that, then we're providing value. We're in the center of that transaction. And that's where we want to be. You know, we want to be really like the network or the hub to, to build these services. And as you know, and, and video is a pretty complex and fragmented ecosystem. I believe if you try to force customers to use like swallow the big pill and just use your services, you're going to lose a lot of opportunities to innovate. You're going to lose out on a lot of customer revenue opportunities. But you're also, I think, you know, fighting against the tide in terms of where the space is going. I mean, things are getting more open. They're getting more fragmented and there's more choice than ever. So, you know, for us, I thought a strength early on for us would be to sort of be neutral, but still ultimately be able to control our destiny for customers that want to, you know, you know, purchase all of the services from us. Yeah. Couldn't uh, agree more. Everything you're saying is true and consistent with what you know, we see and, and are hearing in the market. So, you know, you have various uh, plans. Uh, there's Zypex and, you know, there's network and premium enterprise. You know, if I'm building some app that is video enabled, uh, then would I leverage Zypex? Uh, is, is, do I understand that correctly? Yeah. Zypex is a great way to start for video publishers who want to a like have a low cost of entry to enterprise grade streaming technology want to get to a usually um web-based destinations to start your mobile browser and desktop and then also want to be able to do on demand or live or both or a hybrid of those things so they can get started very quickly at a very low price point um so they get access to all of that um they can um, also get access to API and they can sort of get it acclimated to the Zype um, platform and our and our systems and then grow from there. I'm very proud of Zypex. There's a story related to COVID-19 to it. Like we didn't have Zypex prior to April 20th of last year. Um, we launched it in a reaction to the enormous amount of customers that were knocking on our door for this kind of service, particularly in the fitness, health, and faith um, uh, industries that needed to get out to their constituents. And, you know, we have a lot of marquee customers in those verticals and they, we had good word of mouth, which I'm so proud of. And like, we realized that we couldn't help them with our direct sold offerings that require like a demo and a salesperson's call and all this kind of stuff. So we had always wanted to offer something self-service and, and lower barrier to entry. And this was a big catalyst for us. And it really helped drive our business and learn from a whole new set of customers. That's awesome. 
what is the competitive landscape? Uh, you know, n- not looking for names at all, but I'm just really curious, what is a competitive environment you're in? How do you characterize it? So you have your very traditional OVP platforms that are out there, um, you know, the big end to end, and we all know who those various players are, you know, and then on the other end, you have the, uh, you know, very kind of peer play APIs and whatever. So I'm just curious, you know, how do you position against them? Where do you find, yes, we really do go head to head and where is it, you know, we're really, you know, we, we diverge in this critical way. Great question. I think that for us, we um, we think we're in a unique position as being sort of like the the organizer of the ecosystem, right? So we have a, a vision long term to be a very durable like utility um, for organizing the video data and then like your partnerships and connections to them. So we're friends with those kind of companies a lot and a lot of times, and those friendships are realized through customers, right? So we have customers that are using Zype and you know, Zype end this platform or Zype end that video player or Zype end that encoder. So philosophically, we, we, we look at ourselves really primary competition. And I'm sure if you ask the CEOs of some of these other companies, they may say the same thing. We think it's a pretty much a, it's a blue ocean. The big competition is DIY. I mean, I think the competition is, you know, internal, um, internal development teams, internal development yep. and integration yep. of different services and platforms to create your solution. Yeah. And, you know, and we, we're friends with developers. We're, I'm a software developer myself. Like I built, you know, co-founders, we built the API out of necessity of having coded video platforms. So we understand that. And so the, um, you know, I think for us, our strategy is, you know, looking at not a build versus buy, but like a build and buy. So we think we're the best platform situated for, the smart decision, which is, you know, buy 80% or more of your non-differentiated, um, you know, workloads and then innovate on the rest of the 20%, you know, with your internal development teams, with your partners, where your innovation is. So I think that, you know, if you're just selling Lego blocks, you know, you have to have a lot of other parts of the stack come along with you to scale a customer. If you're selling pure managed services, it's not scalable, right? You can only do like one customer at a time and you sort of, you know, if you're doing everything for a customer, you really are, you can't have a lot of customers, right? So, you know, you can use Accenture to build video stuff, right? But like, that's not a, you know, maybe not the most scalable way to do it. So we kind of believe in this way where you have, you know, really powerful APIs, great dashboards, great self-service tools, but an open and connected network and, you know, try to deliver as much outcome as we can to customers without them having to code, but clearly allow them to code and do something innovative once they get there. And that's why I think we're doing so well in like sort of the enterprise side of the space. Um, You know, when we came out as a company in 2015 was our launch party kind of thing. We were the South by Southwest accelerator for entertainment media technology. We won it. It was cool. We opened up the platform to anybody to come in, bottoms up kind of adoption funnel. And we realized quickly, like those customers probably couldn't get a lot of value out of our product day one because the video system ecosystem wasn't mature enough. But two, the outcomes weren't there, right? They couldn't get a web player right going on their website. They couldn't build an Apple TV app with three clicks. They couldn't, you know, start streaming to YouTube Live or Facebook Live and then index that content for later use on their linear channel those outcomes weren't available. So now we have those outcomes are available over the years. We've innovated using what we learned from our customers. I think 
I think that kind of approach can win in this space where DIY is the competition. And, you know, I think that's where I'm thinking about it. It's a great insight. Um, can you give some examples of customers or, or customer segments where your service is, is popular? I think you, you mentioned before some verticals. Uh, so what, what are those typical uh, types of customers that find the most value in your solution? Yeah, so we do have a lot of... Uh, traditional M&E customers that I can't talk about because they're very restrictive on like allowing me to say their name on stuff. Um, but to that extent, like in the, I call some digital platforms that are, you know, you guys might know about like companies like Vox Media. So they put when they build their video apps that run on all the TV platforms that they're running through Zyp, Vivo. The largest music video streaming company in the world uses Zype for their off YouTube strategy. And they've publicly spoken about that multiple times with us. We're super proud of that. And that's, you know, incredibly high scale kind of customer. And that's in the, in the M&E space. But we are actually pretty well known for having some really strong vertical focus. So um, one vertical focus I'll mention is fitness. Uh, and health. We have some of the largest uh, fitness platforms running on our, our service. Um, companies like Exponential Fitness, which run like 15 different fitness brands like uh, Club Pilates and things like that, run on Zype, Crunch Fitness, uh, Zumba. You know, a lot of fitness platforms are choosing Zype to run their not only their video infrastructure, but then connect that into their membership data. Because we have outcomes like, hey, you can use Zype for entitlements and paywalls, but if you have your own, you know, usernames and all that kind of stuff and you don't want to, you know, kind of have to worry about managing that data in our platform, great. We have connectors for OAuth, we have connectors for Auth0 and other third-party uh, integrations for identity. So um, the fitness market and then actually in, in toy and hobby and other non-media companies that behave like media companies, we're seeing a lot of success. So companies like Spin Master, who are out there producing videos on um, and putting it up on YouTube and other live streaming services and building sort of like the new Saturday morning TV, are using Zype and many more, America's Test Kitchen, This Old House, Trustmark Corporation. I mean, just a, I think the common thread you'll see, um, regardless of vertical drawer, is like, It's mission-critical streaming. It's stuff they really care about, and it's stuff that's going out to multiple endpoints, and they need a single place of governance to manage all of it because they simply doesn't make any sense for them to hire teams to manage the build operations and maintenance of all these integrations that change almost daily. So I think that's the, the thread that you see those industries tend to kind of be in. A lot of them behave like media companies and that they're broadcasting to you know, millions of people at, at a time. And I really think this fits uh, perfectly well with all this uh, digital transformation that went on uh, during COVID. Because, for example, if you're a fitness brand and you have uh, these uh, uh, fitness clubs and you have subscriptions, you have customers, everything is physical. And then one day you have to switch to remote. You need to do uh, live uh, training sessions uh, over the Internet or, ha or give your customers access to on-demand uh, training. And you have to do it very fast. How do you do it? And then I think, you know, a solution like Zype, the customer comes to you and says, okay, I have the customer, I have the brand, um, I have the content, you know, I can produce it. Um, now I just need this platform to, uh, to deliver it. And it has to be, of course, flexible and enable me to, to, to brand it and also connect to all the existing APIs I already have from my real world uh, operations. And you want to be secure too. Right, right. You know, this is a perfect lead in because I was going to ask you, Ed, about your product called Playout. It, it seems like without Playout, um, 
it would require that the distributor have another solution, right? So they couldn't do it all on the platform and that adds complexity. Playout must be really, um, you know, a little bit of a, of a secret weapon, silver bullet, whatever, whatever analogy you want to use, because a lot of other platforms, you have to design your own. Um, solution to take files and then assemble them in a linear stream and do all the management around that. It's not so easy and standard on other platforms. Exactly. I think the, and that's born by like, there's no clear, our business, we do have standards, right? But there's, you know, how does each of these platforms integrate with um, playout streams? Uh, are, are they restreaming? Are they curating content uh, on the platform? Like, the, you know, how Zumo does it versus Pluto versus Samsung TV Plus versus Viewed. Ver and so we already have their metadata. And in many t instances, we have access to their streaming material or we are actually hosting the streaming material. We have their playlists and we understand their intent around curation. So um, our customers started asking us for, hey, we, we want to start going out to linear platforms. There are solutions in the market that do this, but you have to connect to them and kind of recurate everything and, and sort of reimagine it and take on a lot of cost of transmitting the data and um, a lot of impedance mismatch, basically. Or you can build your own stuff for this. Um, there are traditional sort of broadcast level, really expensive kind of hardware solutions as well as um, you could stitch together something in open source for sure, but then you got to maintain it and operate it. And that's no fun over time, right? So we wanted to build a cloud-based solution for Playout, which we did um, We in 2019. We, we announced our first version of it. It's been our fastest growing product we've ever had. And we're going to be launching our major release very soon in the next couple of weeks um, with basically same product, just a killer user interface, more API programmability, and um, you know access to more endpoints. And you know, imagine like drag and drop kind of non-linear editing style playout control in a browser. And and that's 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 what the that's what some of the new stuff our 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 teams been working on for just a better user experience that raises the bar. Is that going to come at, at an added cost? Is that like a premium version, or does everybody get that? Everyone gets it. We're not going to force customers to upgrade because I don't, you know, when you do that, you kind of wind up uh, kind of creating more problems. I found in my in my experience than than solving for. So, um, and plus, this is like this is like live, real video broadcast. That's what I love about it. It's mission critical. It's worldwide. There's real people watching this stuff at all times. So you got to be really careful. You, you know, you have to make sure that your customer can window this stuff in the right way, you know? Sure, sure. And I mean, this must really make your platform sticky. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. It, it's very sticky. I think for, for a couple of reasons, right? I think one is we have a great user experience. Um, two, it's very scalable. It, the, our stream start times are incredibly fast, if not the fastest available. Our um, resiliency and scale. I mean, we have moments in time we're doing 50 million streams per minute on these platforms and play out worldwide. And we have an, uh, our own sort of egress network for, for video that we, we use CDNs, obviously. Like we haven't built our own CDN for video material, but for just some of our secret sauce, like we have endpoints around the world for the, um, for the video manifest, like the, the material that kind of triggers streaming material. So, you know, we've invested a lot to allow it to be scalable. And so to go from that to like, let's say a, a, a prosumer solution, or a consumer grade solution, it's it's hard to switch down from Zyte basically. There's, you know what I mean? There's no, we're, we're pretty much, I think, peak uh, performance you can get in, in, this, in this space. You're built on AWS? We use both Amazon Web Services and Google Cloud. 
because in, in several places I saw this, um, this term of single tenancy on the cloud. Does this mean you have like dedicated instances that are not shared uh, with other um, users of the same cloud? So we're a multi-tenant system, but we'll instantiate single tenancy where performance and reliability matters. So for example, customers that are doing live encoding, mission critical live encoding, like live live, like they're broadcasting a football game or they're broadcasting a concert, a show, um, or a important corporate event, we can allow them to instantiate single tenancy within the infrastructure that's coordinating that stream. So they're not competing with other Zipe customers or other cloud tenants for those resources to ensure the best possible quality. Yeah, but our, our software itself is multi-tenant. So unfortunately, you can't go buy Zipe on a CD-ROM and install it in your computer and you run it. That's just not our model. But you know, I think there's a, there's a hybrid here that has to happen. And, and I think a lot of cloud-first companies um, like ours really want to make sure we're getting the economy of scale of cloud for our customers and for our own benefit. But there's opportunities for whether it's bare metal all the way through for like single tenant cloud services to, to provide differentiation. And I learned that when I was at my um, company before Zipe. I was at a company called Datapipe and we were building a managed infrastructure for general computing in the cloud around Amazon and uh, other you know, private cloud services and really saw like hybrid cloud was a great opportunity to explore performance and scale as, in addition to just being pure cloud. So when you, when you do VOD or live uh, playout, you can do basically everything in, in the cloud. All, all the files are there. But when you do uh, a real-life production of, of a music show or, or a sports match, then you need to have something on-premise, on right? At least a camera, at least some uh, contribution encoder. Uh, you need to bring the content in real time into the cloud. Is this something that, that you, you handle or is this uh, the customer's responsibility? It's, it's their responsibility. We're, we're like the plug in the wall, right? So we, we, we help them understand the, the supported formats and protocols that we'll accept. Um, we do, I think another one of our differentiators is our support team. Like we do provide services to customers that do need help either, let's say in the testing or the provisioning of the you know, remote you know, broadcasting uh, infrastructure, et cetera, just helping them through that. We'll coordinate with their streaming teams. We'll, we'll, we've run some really high profile events. So uh, our customers have. So we've learned that it's better for us to offer the opportunity to test and partner with them than to just say, hey, call our API. And if it doesn't work, you can open up a support ticket. Like that's not who we are. You know what I mean? We really care about the outcome. So plenty of customers don't want to avail themselves of that because they got it nailed down. Um, those, those services typically come at a, at a premium in terms of cost, but we still think it's pretty affordable depending on the size of event you're running. But we will offer some services, but we don't do is we don't put people on site typically or, you know, any kind of like strict labor model where it's like, hey, you're going to build a streaming event and run it for us. Like there's people way better than us for that. We're, we're focused on the on the bits, you know, like after you have that, um, you know, authored. Well, what is next for you? You know, where do you see the, you know, the platform going, the company going? What's next? Yeah, so we're we're super excited to launch our new playout version. So that's I think this is the first time I'm talking about it outside of the company in, in like a meaningful way. So um Hey, we're honored. Yeah, we have an exclusive. All right. Is this so is this like playout 2.0 or or do you have a new name for it or 
playout2.o. We kept it simple. We didn't give it like a funny name or anything. It's just playout2.o. It's in market now, actually. We have a sort of a, a closed customer list release right now, and then we'll go uh, general market, you know, in the next uh, four or six weeks or so. Um, so that's going to be really exciting. And then fast following on that, we have um, we have a new analytics dashboard we're upgrading, and, and we've started rolling out to customers. Just more insights more insights on what's happening with your content, more insights on quality. Like, why does this person in Brazil have a bad experience? Like, we can tell you that now, like with certainty on like what's actually happening with their stream from second to second, like things like that to really increase visibility. Again, as a reaction to learning from our customers, like if, if we can't answer those questions, if there's a support ticket, hey, I'm having trouble with my customers in Brazil, we realize, well, if we can't give you the answer, we're, we're kind of part of the problem. So like, let's make that available to you as a customer so that we can sort it out together. Beyond that, we have some, some new integrations coming out, more, more identity integrations, um, more security integrations, things like the ability to you know, loop in your um, enterprise um, single sign-on providers, like your Octas and stuff like that. So as we move into the enterprise space, it's really important that we focus on security and uh, you know, really just focused on like, leaning into our scale. So more availability globally for our services, first class in those zones. So Australia, Europe, Asia, like more, more places you can you know, house your content and your data, whether it's for regulatory reasons, like GDPR type things that are regimes around the world where data, you have to keep that data there, or it's for performance reasons. Interesting. And how big is Zype? How many employees? We're about 55 people right now. And you are financed uh, venture backed or? Yeah, venture backed. Um, we did our first funding back in 2015 with Revel Partners. Uh, out of New York, a great seed fund. They were, you know, investors in like the trade desk and and companies like that. And then uh, Runa Capital led our A round, and Runa is behind companies like Nginx. Um, so a deep, scalable infrastructure kind of background. Yeah, great. Um, if we're talking more in general about the video market, where do you see that going? I mean, what what will be next in in the world of video? I, I mean. Of course, we'll have more video, better video, higher quality video, you know, virtual reality streaming at some point, but, you know, it hasn't picked up so far uh, due to various uh, reasons. Where do you see things going, let's say, in, in the next three to five years? Yeah, I think, you know, there's been a lot of pipes laid in terms of endpoints and places to publish. So your, your social media platforms, you have all these different options, right? And they're video centric, your Snapchats and TikToks, your YouTubes, your Facebook. So that's kind of, I think, relatively evolved. I think we'll, there's always gonna be new social, medias come, social media coming out, but like that's pretty evolved. The TV market is pretty evolved. The actual devices themselves, the battle's still being fought inside the operating systems between Microsoft, I'm sorry, Apple and, uh, and Microsoft to some extent, actually, you know, Freudian slip, but they have Xbox and all that, um, Roku, Amazon. Um, so I think there's a, like, that's kind of, you know, there's enough optionality there and it's a lot of fragmentation and, and, you know, it's one of our value propositions. I think we're going to see innovations on like the creator production sort of um, authorship side. I think I think those pipes are still sort of, you know, they're, they're old, right? So I think you have new cloud-based, um, integrated production, pre-production, really the, the creation of content. It could be in a scripted context for, 
you know, traditional entertainment and media. It could be around corporate events. You, I think you saw a lot of innovation last year with these uh, corporate um, video event platforms that came out for like webinars and stuff like that. So I just think there's even more, I think we're going to see more innovation there to complete the digital transformation because like half of this business is still done in, you know, single tenant local infrastructure, right? So I think we're going to see a lot of innovation there over the next couple of years to catch up with all these pipes that are being laid. Um, so I think that's one innovation that I'm paying attention to closely. And um, the other is, I think, just to your point, I think things like virtual reality, augmented reality, it's like electric cars. You know, they're here, but someday they'll really be here. And like, it's hard to tell when it's going to happen for real when we're all just that's all we're doing. I, I don't know. I, if you would ask me 10 years ago, I'd say by now we'd have VR everywhere, but it didn't happen. I think we're going to see more video everywhere, in, in, regardless of the sort of consumption context. So, like, I think we're going to see more TVs, more video walls, more video in glass, and just more opportunities for streaming. And, like, video as a percentage of internet bandwidth is going to grow, not contract. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Some say it will grow beyond 100%. <laughs> well, another internet then, right? Sure, we'll have to build one. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, so I think there's a lot of innovation in the glasses that the glass that we have now, the TVs. I think we're see more there and more like you see it already. The elevator, every how many elevators you walk into, to the extent that we're going in elevators now, full featured video platforms built behind them. I mean, it's pretty cool. So we're it's more like the Blade Runner reality, probably of like yeah, that's true. Yeah, you know, in in the shopping mall in my neighborhood, it's it's like a, a very small one, but still they have like two elevators, and when the doors close. They have a projector that projects commercials on the door. And, and this is so annoying. I mean, talk about <laughs> yeah. the captive audience. I'm stuck in there. And what I usually do, because I'm pretty tall, I raise my hand and I block the projector <laughs> from projecting on the door of, of the elevator. Only you would do that, Dror. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm so annoyed by it. And this is really kind of a sci-fi um, reality because I remember there was this book, I think it was called... Space merchants, something like that, that w when you stood in, in a traffic light, uh, they would project uh, advertisements on your car window. I was like, you're, you're, you're the human ad blocker. I want to bring you along all, all my elevator trips. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, this is something that really, uh, that, that really annoys me. But, uh, but you're right about those, those screens. Well, this has uh, been a, an amazing conversation. Thank you for coming on, Ed. You're welcome. Mark, Dror, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Yeah, we enjoyed it very much. It was awesome. Um, okay, and thank you also to all of our listeners out there. You're the reason that we are broadcasting because... You are the reason. Without you... If it weren't for you, we would be, we would just be talking, talking to, to ourselves. ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> so keep it up. Which we might do anyway, right, George? Yeah, yeah. so uh, happy encoding, everybody. See you next time. Happy encoding. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Video Insiders Podcast. If you'd like to appear on the show, just send an email to thevideoinsiders at beamer.com. That's B-E-A-M-R.com with a brief description on what you're working on and why you think it's interesting for our audience. This podcast is sponsored by Beamer Imaging. The views expressed by guests are their own and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity that they represent.